You're listening to the College Age Movement Podcast. Um, okay, here's another similar relationship one. Um, what are some good ways to handle conflict with friends, significant other, family, etc.? Hmm. Conflict. Yeah. I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Well, sociopaths are the only ones who really love <laughs> conflict, um, who, who seek it out. And we all know if you have people in your life that are looking for conflict, then they're probably not people that you want to be in your life. But I, I think the simplest way that I can talk about conflict in any relationship, um, whether it's a romantic relationship or friendship or work relationship, whatever it may be, is to understand and validate the fact that other people handle conflict differently than you do. Mm-hmm. That if you are only trying to handle conflict in the way that you handle conflict, you're going to hit a lot of walls. You're and just creating more conflict. Yeah, you're just, yeah, you're just creating more conflict. So I think that, that you need to value other people for who they are and the way that they handle situations. And so if people need time before they have a conversation that's like one of the biggest things that's that's yep that's my wife like and that's and it took it probably took a good six years into our marriage which was actually 10 years into our relationship for us to actually get to a point where we like have some semblance of handling conflict well we're still very far from perfect and i'm i'm the type of person who likes to handle things immediately i'm a fix-it person i want i want to have the conversation immediately i want to get past it if somebody's angry with me i do not like that so i want to i want to do whatever I can to, to amend or mend the situation. Larissa is the type of person who, who needs to take a little bit of time to think about what she wants to say. And we actually got in a fight um, a few years ago and she just outright was like, Evan, I don't, I don't want to say something that I don't want to say. Like, I don't want to say something that I don't actually hundred percent unquestionably mean. And I was really taken back by that. Like, I'm just somebody who just talks and talks and talks and talks. And I'll apologize if I said something offensive or whatever. And Larissa is just a lot more intentional with her words. And so I've grown to appreciate that that way that she handles conflict. Now, that's my wife. That's the person that I get to spend so much time with every single week. But I also have to understand that every friendship, every work relationship, every whatever also has a similar dynamic. Everybody handles conflict differently. Um, there's a, a principle in Matthew that always talks about bringing your offenses to someone and actually don't just hold it in and let it fester. Like you need to bring your offenses. If somebody's offended you, you need to go say, Hey, you offended me and have a conversation with them about it. That's, that's something that we should always be pursuing, but sometimes that's bold and outright. And within the first 30 minutes that it happened, and sometimes it needs to be done with a lot more grace because we understand our friends or the people that we work with. Um, well, so we need to just be willing to do that. I don't know if I really have anything to add to that, but um, yeah, I think just just realizing what you know how people handle conflict and just giving them so much grace because so in the beginning years of our marriage, I was definitely like the silent treatment person. This is where you say no. No, babe, you never gave me the silent treatment. Yeah. You always talk to me about everything. Yeah. For honestly, like days. Like I didn't I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to like communicate my frustration or embarrassment. All the while I would just be sitting there, what's wrong? Tell me. Talk yeah. to me. What's wrong? Tell yeah. me. Like not making anything better because I'm just trying to force it and yeah. So really what we've learned is I am so good at the silent treatment because <laughs> I can just it's scary yeah but that's not the best quality (laughs) probably to have in a relationship um 
so yeah, just giving people so much grace because that is how I was taught to handle conflict from my parents and Evan's opposite. His parents were like, let's deal with this now. And so if you don't have a healthy model of conflict or you don't have, um, you know, if people aren't handling conflict in front of you, then you're not going to know how to handle it. And so I didn't want to be like that, but I didn't know how to not be like that. And Mm -hmm. so I think just Evan um, being, I mean, he wasn't super patient with me, but he's fairly patient. Mm, Sure. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, Evan just, he never got upset with me, I guess, for not being able to talk about my situation. But just Evan's grace and patience, um, that really made me feel safe. Like Evan was a safe person that I could talk to instead of just holding it all in. And that's so unhealthy. So yeah, it's definitely very, very difficult to change your conflict and your communication style and uncomfortable and awkward probably. But if you can get to a good spot Mm -hmm. where you're um, willing to be like, Hey, I need a few minutes to like, figure out what I want to say or how I'm feeling. Um, I think that's my main thing is like, I don't know how I'm feeling. I'm just like upset. But the reason I'm upset is probably not obvious to me. I need Mm. some time to like figure out all of the things that I've been holding in that (laughs) have made me upset. So I think, yeah, yeah, just having grace for one another. And um, also like not everything needs to be conflict. Mm -hmm. There are some things that we can just be like, you know what? Like, I'm having a bad day. Just that apologize. A big deal. Yeah. 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 We'll just say, yeah, that was, we were making a mountain out of a molehill. That yeah. is not, that is not worth having a 25 minute conversation about. We, over and over we and both over. understand that we both said things we shouldn't have said. I apologize. I love yeah. you. I think it comes down to this. If a relationship is important to you, you will be willing to be flexible in your conflict style. If someone is valuable, if someone is important to you, you will find whatever way to make sure that relationship continues to go. So if just think to yourself and and determine, is this relationship valuable to me? And if it is, then be willing to adjust. Don't, don't die on a hill. If it means the expense of your relationships, maintain them and figure out how you can do conflict well. And then also have an expectation of people who also value you to be willing to, to be flexible in their conflict styles as well. Okay, here's two very similar ones. What's the biggest piece of advice for your 20-year-old self? And then the other one says, um, hold on, hold on. (laughs) What is your number one piece of advice for young adults who want to influence the older generation? And what is something you wish you knew going into adulthood? Wow. There's just, there's a lot there. Um, okay. So let's, let's just, let's do this one first. What's, what's a piece of advice you give your 20 year old self? Let's, let's start there and then we'll, we'll move on. So the biggest piece of advice I'd give to my 20 year old self without trying to sound too cheesy. Um, I wrote down, (laughs) stop trying to fit a mold, but I, I I think that the, the biggest thing that I would say to myself would be just work on you. I think it could be so easy for us to try to control the people around us or the narratives around us or the culture around us or all those different things. And, and especially today, I mean, I don't want to like date us to, okay. We, yeah, we're 32. I'm 24. Larissa's 24. Um, 
I'm 32, <laughs> and we the, I've been married yeah, for 11 yeah. years and I don't. Yeah, there's a really don't and yeah, the please don't call the police on me because that <laughs> makes me sound real terrible. Um, when we were 20, we didn't have Instagram or TikTok. I mean, Instagram maybe. I don't think so. No, like no TikTok, no like like there's no reels on Instagram. Like the pressure to be other people is unlike it's ever been before. And it was real when we were young, like when we were 20, like 100%, you looked at all kinds of people and said, well, I wish I looked we like had, that. We had MySpace. Yeah. We had MySpace and to rank your friends. Yeah. And we had Facebook when you could only have Facebook if you were in college mm-hmm. and it was awesome. Cause you didn't have your great aunt Betty posting statuses or whatever it is. That's a whole thing. I'm going to rabbit trail there. But social media in in and of itself, just there's so much pressure to be be something that you're not. And the biggest piece of advice that I would say is just focus on being the best version of you and and understand who God has uniquely called you to be and kill it. Like kill – just do so well at being who God's called you to be and don't focus on – on the world or the culture or anything else that's, that's calling you towards something else. And if you can do that, I think that you're going to set yourself up for success moving forward, whether that's in relationships. I, I think that we would all admit that like, we're not looking for a facade in someone we want. We want to be friends with, we want to be in romantic relationships with people who are unapologetically who God has called them to be. And we don't want to get five years into a relationship, whether it's a friendship or something else and be like, wow, you're not who I thought you were because you were just pretending. So like you work on you and you will surround yourself with people who are also working on them. Okay. Four years ago when I was 20. Yep. Four years ago when you were 20. Um, I was definitely on the back end of like my college party animal days. What? Yeah. Wow. I you know. S- you've sinned. I have sinned. Yeah. I have never sinned. Like twice. <laughs> um, so, I just, I was having a lot of fun, but when I look back on that now, it's not fun (laughs) anymore. Uh, I just, like, it's a lot of hurt and a lot of pain and um, shame and guilt and just all kinds of things wrapped into one, but I think that I already said, like, I struggle with making decisions, so... I was just kind of like living my life in the moment instead of thinking about my future. Um, And I definitely, I wanted to do so many things. Like I wanted to go out of state for school. I wanted to go, um, I wanted to be an interior designer. I wanted to live in California, all these things. And I just could not make any decisions. So I just really held myself back except for my my partying. You did make one really good decision though. When you were 20. Okay. Me. Oh, okay. Right? okay. I didn't know if I had to clarify <laughs> that or not. Um, yes, sure. Adam. <laughs> Thank you. I think my partying probably ended when I was like more than 19. But anyway, same same age situation. Sure. Season. Yeah. So I think um, like for me, I would just, I think I was probably hiding a lot of that just because I knew that what I was doing was was not good and beneficial for me, but I also it was fun in the moment to be drinking with my friends and partying and stuff. And so I let the things in the moment overshadow my future and 
decisions that I could have been making. And so I didn't do anything that caused me to not be able to go out of state for school or to live elsewhere. But I definitely just, um, I wasn't living my best life so that I had confidence in who I was to Mm. make good decisions and make better decisions. So I would just say that um, the first question is, or one of the first questions we did was like, how do you know if what you're doing as a Christian is wrong or not? Like those things that you're doing in secret or not in secret, those will affect how you live your life Mm -hmm. and how you, what your future looks like. And so, um, yeah, it's just, it's so important to just be aware of your actions and your, what you're doing and just, um, yeah, make, make decisions that not only make God proud, but also that, um, you'll look back on and you'll be proud of Mm. too. So I just, Mm -hmm. I think it's really easy to look back on that season of my life and just feel so much shame and regret. But, um, I'm also, I'm not really like thankful for the choices that I made, but I have seen a lot of good come from Mm -hmm. it too. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so the back end of that question, or the second question, would be, what is your number one piece of advice for young adults who want to influence the older generation? Um, if you attend college age, you've probably heard me say, like, use the analogy of, like, the baton, like, running the race and, and waiting for somebody to pass you the baton. And I, I think that that would be something that I would lean back into and and say that we need to be people who aren't constantly waiting for people to the older generation is not a generation that is going to ask us our opinion. Like they, they, they aren't going to ask our opinion unless they value our opinion, but they can't value our opinion until they hear our opinion. So they don't want to hear it. Yeah. So the, the number one piece of advice I'd say, speak up, like don't wait to be asked. Like Mm -hmm. at some point, or another, you're going to have to give your opinion whether somebody asks for it or not. And and when the older generation is is constantly doing the things that they've always done, they're just they're they don't want the their boat, their normal to be rocked. And I don't think any of us do. And I think that what we have to understand is that we're gonna just have to at some point break the mold and break the glass ceiling, whatever analogy you want to use, and understand that like people cannot value your opinion until they know your opinion. And so you're going to, you're going to have to give it. I would also say that you can live your life in a way that makes anyone, regardless of their age, look at you and want to know more. Like you are, um, you know, fighting for causes or I don't know, doing, doing things that make people who are older than you look up to you Mm -hmm. because they're like just so impressed by the things you're doing and the way that you live your life. And so again, you'll probably have to speak up, but I think if you just sit back and, you know, fall into the stereotype of the millennials don't work and, you know, I don't even know. I don't, what's a millennial, what's a stereotype of us? We're lazy. Yeah. So if you just like (laughs) fall into that, if they see you in that stereotype, then they're not going to care. Mm-hmm. what you have to say. But I think if you, the way that you live your life, if it shows other people that you're not lazy and that you um, care about other people and you have the same values that they have, then they're going to be 100% more likely to care about your opinion and 
to ask you questions and to want to be influenced mm -hmm. by you. And I think it's also hard for older generations to feel okay getting advice from younger people for whatever reason that just feels, it seems like it's like almost taboo to yeah. be like, you would know something that I don't know when you're half my age or whatever. But I've learned so much stuff from even our kids teach us something every single day. Oh, all so the time. Yeah. I think it's a good reminder that also older people have a lot to teach us. Mm -hmm. We, they, we can't just teach them. They can teach us too. Yeah. But also people who are younger than us, even as young as like six or seven, yeah. Alex is eight. And like yeah. he's always teaching us stuff. So For sure. we have something to learn from anyone, no matter what their age is. No question. No question. All right. Let's do two more. Uh, the first one uh, says, how would you encourage someone who struggles with comparison when it comes to their spiritual gifts, like feeling insecure and feeling not good enough? Go ahead. I, I think the biggest piece of encouragement that I would have is that, that we are trying to be Jesus. We're not trying to be other people. Mm -hmm. um, we are trying to be Jesus. We are not trying to be other followers of Jesus. And so... I fully understand the comparison game, not obviously not just in spiritual gifting and, and, the, and our spirituality or our faith or whatever that that plays a part in every role of our humanity in our life. But we need to try to fight the urge to compare ourselves to other followers of Jesus when we are just trying to be like Jesus. And you'll Paul talks to the Corinthians and he says, like, everybody has their part to play. And one part is not more valuable than another part because without this like this doesn't work and mm -hmm. and he just like goes on and on and talks about like how some people uh, are gonna have the gift of interpretation or or prophecy or or whatever it may be like, there's going to be so many different things and and it's so much our humanity that looks at other pe other people's gifting spiritual or not and say oh i wish i wasn't who i am i wish i was who they are they're better yeah, like right. When I. Jesus is just saying, no, like, I made you to be you. Mm -hmm. I made you to be specifically and, and beautifully and uniquely made. And so lean into what God has provided for you. It is sufficient because he has created you to be that. So stop comparing yourself to other people and understand that you're, you don't, you don't want to be them. You want to be like Jesus and Jesus has given you every ability and gifting necessary for you to be the type of Jesus that he wants you to be. I think along with that, um, the comparison just comes from Satan. He's wanting you mm -hmm. to feel inadequate and like your gifts, um, aren't valuable or your gifts, like you're not good at them. You don't, have the ability to do them. I know last year at camp, I got to pray for this girl who I think she like broke her arm at one point and she couldn't straighten her arm anymore. Mm. And so I was like, okay, like my humanity wants to say like, obviously I cannot pray for this girl to be healed. Like I can do that, but obviously it's not going to happen. And I was like, okay, but I'm going to just trust in God. And guess what? She didn't get healed. <laughs> and so I think there was like a whole group of us praying for her. And I was like, I'm going to believe with everything I can believe that we're going to heal her. And we all prayed. And as far as I know, she did not get healed. She had to have surgery. So, mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, modern medicine 
yeah. mother, which is from God. So great. I healed her. So boom. In the future. Prayer answered. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like I could, I could pray for her and then I could open my eyes and be like, wow, like that didn't work clearly. Like I'm not good enough. I shouldn't even try. Um, and all that is, is just a lie straight from the devil. So comparing yourself to the gifts that other people have, um, that's just Satan trying to get you to think that you're not good enough or that you don't have what it takes to be a Christian or to love others. And that's such a lie. That's, Mm -hmm. there's no truth in that at all. Right. Hmm, That's good. All right. So we're going to do one more question, but there is one that I'm just going to just shout out the the question. Do you believe hell is real? That that's a very big question that I can give a very simple answer to and say, yes, I do believe hell is real. Um, But what I would love for, if you are interested in my thoughts on hell, um, (laughs) Larissa's heard my thoughts. Uh, I think the answer is yes. Everyone wants to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I'm not, we're not getting into, we're already pushing over an hour of this podcast, um, which is probably going to get broken into two or three. Um, but DM the college age page and I will send you, uh, the link to a conversation had by Preston Sprinkle and everybody's probably super annoyed because they're like, Evan, you're such a fanboy of Preston Sprinkle, which I am 100%. Um, but he has a very interesting series on hell, um, that I would love to, to get to you, uh, to listen to, cause there's some, some really good thought provoking conversation that happens, um, in the midst of that. So hell, does it exist? Yes. But dot, 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 um, it might not be what you think it is, uh, as so same thing with heaven. So we get into some really weird stuff, but this is going to be on the internet and I don't want to get fired. Just kidding. Um, I just, I love the conversation of, of heaven and hell. I love the conversation of creation. I love those things that make you go, wow, like what if, what if, what if lots of really, really good conversations to be had through those things, but nothing, uh, deters from the, the tenets of the gospel, which is it's Jesus and Jesus is the son of God. And there's no path to the father except through him. And so it's fun to have conversations through things that doesn't necessarily matter. It's just Mm -hmm. interesting to have those conversations. So last question. Um, how do we make sense of God's plan for our lives, especially when it differs from what we thought or wanted? How do we make sense of God's plan if it's not what we thought we wanted? Or if it goes how do we make way? sense of God's plan for our lives, especially when it differs from what we thought or wanted? Mm. I feel like my plan for my life changes mm, every five to ten minutes. Yeah depending on like my mood (laughs) and if I've had a coffee or not. Um, Gosh, I feel like just constantly checking in. um, I know. Let me tell Evan's story really quick. Okay. My story. You're going to tell my story. Yeah. You just wanted to be a missions guy. Yeah. Like that. You wanted to be hundred percent. Yeah. Doing missions all the time. Yeah. And now you're not. I would hate that. That was not who I, I mean, I wouldn't hate that, but that is not at all what I feel like God wants yeah. for my life or what I even probably want for my life now. Yeah. So, I mean, that was very like Christian, you know, a Christian thing that you wanted. Like I want to be a missions pastor and I want to do missions work. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that, but you have changed and God has called you away from that mm-hmm. at least for right now. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so I think just constantly checking in with mm. God to find out what his plans are and not holding anything too closely yeah. either. Like I said, I wanted to do interior design and oh my gosh, I would still love to do that. But mm-hmm. Evan, Evan doesn't like when I spend money. <laughs> so we don't have any money to spend. Yeah. Very poor. Venmo us. <laughs> Just kidding. Well, in, in the show notes, we'll put our personal Venmos. Yeah. No. Uh, so I just love like decorating and making my house cute and beautiful and um, that's something that I have a passion for and there's nothing wrong with having passions and the cool thing is that even though it might feel kind of like secular maybe or against biblical principles to like spend money on your house I can still make my house very cute and beautiful and welcoming and then have people in my house for Bible study and community. Right. And because my house smells good and has comfortable seating and mm, does it, does it ever? It does. Yeah. Tell them. It smells so good. <laughs> it smells so good. Um, because I've put care and love into my house. Like that's a place where people feel welcome and comfort, comfortable. And um, so you can still have, passions that maybe aren't super just because your passion isn't becoming a pastor Mm -hmm. or becoming a missionary doesn't mean that your passion can't glorify God but Mm -hmm. I think just constantly checking in and then being aware also that it could look different from what you're expecting Mm -hmm. um I think Evan's role is literally pastor but all of you guys are pastors like Mm -hmm all 15 of you that work at Mazevo. <laughs> Shout out to, to our Mazevo crew. Yes, we love you guys. Also, if you're uh, any of the Mazevo owners, if you want to sponsor this podcast, you can also blend Momi. Yeah. Um, you guys get to talk to people all day long, and you guys get to smile and love on people and ask them how they're doing. And um, I don't know, like, that's so cool, and that's such a cool way to connect with people and to just um, – be like a really simple way to show mm-hmm. to show God's love to other people yep. without you know being in their face about it and so I think um what I don't even remember what the question was honestly no I was just like I was, you're <laughs> rabbit trailing all over the place but I love it I think just holding it loose holding like your plans for your life loosely but being aware that like God wants to know what you want to mm-hmm. do too so don't be afraid to be like you know what i really want to be whatever no doubt yeah but like asking god how he can use that for his glory and um yeah i mm-hmm. think i don't know my plans for my life have changed so much mm-hmm. so that's not a bad thing mm-hmm. either yeah no that's so good i think constantly checking in and the fact that like yeah, our plans do change. Our our depending on the season of our life, like our plans are kind of convoluted, but Jesus's plans never are. His are always constant, always consistent, always the same. And God's faithful, and He's been faithful in the the biggest things ever in in history, right? Like He He was faithful in sending His Son Jesus to forgive us and to die for us. And so it's it's really interesting that we're so hesitant to believe that He's going to be faithful in fulfilling our individual plans. Like He fulfilled the plan. Why would He? not fulfill our individual plans, but they're just going to possibly look different. And we might not get to see the fruit of what we think our calling is or whatever it may be. I think about the story of David all the time 
in the sense that David wanted to build a temple for, for God. And God was like, no, <laughs> like that's not the plan I have for you. I don't have that plan for you. And David's son ends up being the one who builds the temple. But then Jesus comes from the line of David. And so ultimately the place that God dwells in the person of Jesus was fulfilled through David, like in this like really incredible roundabout way. And so I think so often we have plans for our lives and it's X, Y, and Z, uh, but God has something so much better. It's A, B, and C. And we just have to be, like Larissa said, willing to hold those things really, really loosely and understand that it's his will, not ours. And if, if we believe that God wants us to accomplish something, that will happen. It just might not happen in the way that we think it is going to happen. It might just look different. Yeah, it's, it's just, yeah, there's, there's just so many things that go along with that. And so, um, I mean, pastor me wants to say, just like dig into scripture and look at how God fulfilled every single promise time and time and time again, but it wasn't as clear as people wanted. And it was usually, I mean, I, even Jesus himself was the promise that was going to be fulfilled for the people of Israel, but they didn't want Jesus, right? They ended up playing a part in having him hung on a cross. So like the promise was fulfilled. The thing that that was going to happen that they believed was going to happen was happening right in front of their eyes and they didn't even recognize it. And so would we not be people who understand that like God is fulfilling the plans that he has for our lives. Let's be people who can see them and not be people who, who just are constantly frustrated by it not happening the way that we want it to happen. I would also say that, God might have a plan for you that you don't want. Mm. Yeah. And like, I just think of so many people who are like, I did not want to be a pastor. I did not want to be yeah, a missionary or some, you know, whatever their job is. And they're like, I did not want that. Yeah. And God still called them to that. And I think for the most part, people aren't usually open about their like negative feelings for that until they've realized that God's plan is good and that they've yeah. actually liked yeah. the plan yeah. that God had for them, even though it was different than what they thought. But, um, yeah, just because God asks you to do something, it doesn't mean it's going to be what you want to do or what you wanted. And so, um, I don't know. I think it's really cool though, to hear those stories, to see like God asks us to do things we don't want to do, but then look at how faithful God is mm-hmm. in those situations. And, um, yeah, just to hear people's stories about the things they didn't want to do and then watching God work through that. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, that's just a really good reminder, I think, because God might ask you to do something that you don't want to do. Mm-hmm. And God really likes it when you say never. That's pretty much a 100% guarantee <laughs> that he's going to ask you to do that. <laughs> so. That's so true. That's so true. <sighs> well... I think that's good. I think I think that'll wrap up uh, this round of, of questions. This was fun. Thanks, babe. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being a guest on the College Age <laughs> Movement Podcast. Thank you for listening to the College Age Movement Podcast. College Age Movement's in-person gatherings meet Tuesday nights at 7, and we would love to have you there. If you are unable to join us in person, you can engage online at faithchapel.cc or follow us on our socials at collegeagemvmt.